Welcome to Daily Kosa's The Brief, our weekly show about politics. Here, we'll discuss the issues that are driving the news as we fight for a more progressive America. I am Marcos Molitsis, the founder of Daily Kos and your co-host, along with senior political writer Carrie Eleveld. If you want to join the conversation, we record the podcast live on YouTube and Facebook every Tuesday at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast The Brief. It's our weekly show about politics. I'm Marcos Molitsis. I'm here with Carrie Aleveld. We are two weeks out from the election. I think it's two weeks, right? Two weeks out from the election. And today we're going to be talking message. What is that message that Democrats need to be hammering home these last precious few remaining days before not everybody, because a lot of people are voting already, but before the mass, before election day itself. So, Carrie, I know you've been work, you've been writing a lot about the polling. Yes. You've been writing about um, early votes. So before we get to that, though, just let everybody know our guest today is going to be Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. She is the founder of Way to Win, which is an organization focused on funding using data-driven methods the core progressive infrastructure, the organizations that are doing the work on the ground to win this November's election. And so we'll be talking to her in a little bit about the uh, about that closing message that Democrats should be hammering home. But before we bring her on, Carrie, like I said, you've been talking about about polling. You've been talking about that early vote. What do you think that tells us about what's going to happen in a couple of weeks? Well, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, we have no show's idea. over. Okay, it's it's, it's sober. So uh, now I'm just gonna do a quick shot, and we'll get back to it. No, um, really, I I think what the what what I if I were to boil this all down to one thing, it is get out and vote because I just feel like everything we have still says no one knows the way this is gonna come down. Um, there are a historic number of early voters so far. Um, we have no idea what that means for the outcome. My sense is, and I, you know, you can tell me if you feel differently. We at least want to have high turn a high turnout election because a low turnout election would almost surely favor the party that's out of power. Would almost surely favor Republicans. Oh, for sure. So in, in order for Democrats to be in the hunt, we want lots of people voting early. We want a high, well. We, we want a high turnout election overall, which includes lots of people voting early. So, so far, um, tons of people are voting early. Uh, that There's been historic numbers in Georgia, in other places. Um, so I, I just, I think the big message there is people are, all the cool kids are doing it. Better get out, better find your, your crew, your peeps and get out and vote. Um, in terms of the polling. Wait, 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 wait. Let's, I, I don't before we get to polling, I, I do yes. want to add something on that early vote. And and as as Carrie says, we were seeing huge numbers of, of people early voting, and it's very heavily Democratic. And so I don't want people to get too excited about that part, because Donald Trump has been telling his supporters that voting early is fraud, right? So you're seeing Republicans shift to day of voting, while Democrats are taking advantage of the of the efficiency of the of the convenience of voting early. But here here's this is this is important. One is we're banking votes. Democrats are banking votes. They could die, the weather could be crappy on election day, car may break down, 
you know, a family emergency. You never know what's going to happen. And so banking that vote means that that vote will be counted on election day, no matter what happens on um, on that specific election day. So that's really great. Two, it gives the GOTV um, operation a chance to focus on true marginal voters. This is one of the reasons that you should vote early if your state allows it, not because we're worried whether you're going to vote or not, not even that we're worried that you might die by election day. That's a possibility. <laughs> no, not that. The the reason, the real we reason is people up, Mark. Yeah, I know. Really seriously, them up. you might die. So get that vote. Oh God. <laughs> Hell, that's really motivating to me. What are you talking about? I want that vote. I want my vote counted no matter what happens to me in the next two weeks. But no, but. Uh, on a practical level, GOTV's out there. They're calling people who haven't voted. They're knocking on their doors. You don't want them wasting time doing that with you. One, it's annoying. You don't, you don't want them to get those phone calls and those knocks on the door. But two, you want them knocking on doors to people who may not be voting. So we want the guaranteed voters to get you know crossed out from those lists so that our GOTV operation can focus on gettable marginal voters that will decide who wins this election, to put it bluntly. And three, if you vote early, then you can do GOTV yourself. You don't have to worry about voting. You can actually help in however many ways there are to help. And as a reminder, you can find a lot of different opportunities for GOTV at dailycoast.com slash GOTV. That stands for Get Out the Vote. DailyCoast.com, GOTV. So vote early, and then you can focus those days uh, up to Election Day on helping out your local party or local campaigns, GOTV operations. So that's why the early vote really, really matters. So far, the numbers are very, very encouraging. Doesn't really tell us who's going to win, but it tells us that we're banking our votes and we're going to have a more efficient GOTV operation as a result. And the Democrats have a, have a shot. It tells us that, too. And uh, I, I I will add that just voting early and talking about it is helpful just to create a bandwagon effect of people going, oh, my gosh, well, you voted. And, you know, I should probably vote like I should, you know, and especially if you're a young person, I continue to believe that this this election could really hinge on young people. Um, young people turned out in incredibly historic numbers, numbers for that Kansas ballot measure that they turned back the constitutional uh, amendment to the that, that we were trying to amend yeah. the Constitution to ban abortion there. So anyway, I, I just think this is that, you know, if you're a young person, if you know young people, make sure they get to the polls. It's really important. And the future of our country, they're going to have to live longer with the future of our country than anybody else is. So may as well have a say in it, right? Okay, so on to the polling. The polling there was, landscape. There is- was one bad poll, and so everything's yeah. falling apart, right? Yeah. One bad poll. I, mean, I honestly, I, I honestly, there's one poll. It was the New York Times Siena poll. I think we mentioned it last week. And we since did, then, everybody, you know, the, the, the Beltway journalists have just decided that it's curtains for Democrats. There's going to be a shellacking quote unquote, you know, they're, they're really on this, like this whole Democrat Democrats look like they might have a chance, but now they don't. And I just got to say like, the polling continues to be very mixed. We don't know. And yeah. God, the more I, the more I read from pollsters, they, they like, they're like hold, they're literally like holding the, their breath, just waiting for this cycle to be over because there's no good par- historic parallels. 
to base their modeling on. It looks, everybody's predicting a historically high turnout and, you know, people, they've been modeling for bigger turnout among Republicans for obvious reasons in terms of history and also that polling in some cases has sort of underrepresented Republicans. What they haven't been modeling for is a huge turnout among everyone. Um, you know, you it, it is, so there's- Young voters. Young voters, they are not modeling for that. I guarantee it. But like the latest round, I'll just, I could just, you know, just to give you a sense, like CNN put out a bunch of polls, I think this morning, or maybe what was it yesterday morning? It was yesterday morning. It was all battleground polling. And I didn't think it had anything that was eye popping. What it said to me was, you know, we're in the hunt. Like Democrats are in the hunt. They have Fetterman in, in Pennsylvania and the Pennsylvania Senate. They have uh, John Fetterman, the Democrat, up 51 to 45. So that's about he, six, six points. Yeah, doom. It's over, right? Doom. Um, I mean, if he's really at 51 percent, that's that's a good sign. I That may be one of the first polls, I think, that has him uh, above 50. But but the the margin, the six point margin, that's pretty much within the realm of what a lot of people have been showing. The Pennsylvania governor, they have Shapiro, the Democrat Shapiro, up by fifteen points. That has always looks looked like Doug Mastriano. Hopefully, is toast there. Uh, he's such a nutty Christian nationalist, et cetera, force birther dude. Michigan governor, this is a little tighter than I'd like it to be, but it's uh, Gretchen Whitner, the, the Democrat is still up by uh, six points, 52 to 46. So if she's uh, if she's above 50, that's good. It's been, it's been relative, it's Michigan. Like none of us should expect states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, North Carolina to be, we're not going to get blowout wins. No, not Those blowout states wins. Are, I, they're I battleground just, states. So- they're yeah. narrow, yeah, but Democrats have consistently led in in all the polling, and there's obviously there's an up, there's a chance that maybe the polling is missing things. And then there's Wisconsin. So. Let me let me just throw it. Mandela Barnes, the Democrat there, he's down by one point against. Uh, and this is just one poll, right? This is just CNN's battleground polling, but he's down there uh, by one point against Ron Johnson. I mean, if he's down there against Ron Johnson by one point, you know, he. I mean, they have Johnson at fifty percent. So whenever you reach fifty percent, that you know, that's a good yeah, sign the, for yeah, an incumbent. That, but that's in the margin of who the frick knows what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And, and a good. Yeah. A good get out the vote operation can be worth three to four points. Yeah. So this is this is why it's important to vote early if you can and to help out with the GOTV operation because nobody's going to pretend no from the beginning Wisconsin it was never again it was never going to be a comfortable Democratic win. It's an incumbent who has won twice before in tough climates. Ron Johnson is is a good Republican candidate. It's an incumbent, and incumbents have advantages. But it's Wisconsin, Wisconsin, that we lost by about what forty thousand votes in two thousand sixteen. That we won by twenty thousand votes in two thousand twenty. This is Wisconsin. It's not going to be anything right. but a nail biter. Right. Let me throw out just one more poll here. This is Siena Research poll in Ohio. And it gave now remember, Donald Trump won Ohio by eight points, I think. And um, Republicans have in Ohio yes. a, a seven point lead in the generic ballot. OK, so if it, in a red wave, you would think that they would have a way bigger lead than that in a in a state that Trump won by eight points. OK, if it was going to if we were going to have a red wave. Um, it, it, then it said, then it has, uh, I don't know the exact, but Governor Mike DeWine, the Democrat, I mean, the Republican there, sorry, the GOP incumbent governor there. He is like double digits, totally, 
totally blowing away the Democrat, which no one ever was investing a whole lot in that to begin with. But it has Tim Ryan, the the uh, Democrat running for the Senate, even dead even with Trump and Dorsey, J.D. Vance at 46 percent. So that tells you, you know, that that he's like they they did a poll. They show Governor Mike DeWine way ahead, but they have the Democrat Tim Ryan neck and neck with Trump and Dorsey, J.D. Vance at 46 percent. Ryan, you know, this is that is the toughest environment possible, but he looks to be, you know, in in contention there. Um, so. Again, these are not this is a whole different poll. It's these are just not red wave numbers. That's what it comes down to. And Carrie, I would be I would be a little more. I don't know what's the word. I would be a little more pessimistic is the word. If we didn't have that string of special election results that have shown that Democrats on average since the Dobbs decision have outperformed Joe Biden's 2020 numbers by six points. So we don't even need to look at the polls. We can look at actual election results and see that Democratic performance has been absolutely excellent this cycle. And there's an argument to be made. Those were special elections. The dynamics are different. They're in the middle of the year, blah, blah, blah. But usually that has always historically helped Republicans. They don't have a problem getting their vote out. We have a hard time getting our vote out in, in the middle of the summer. And yet this time it was Democrats outperforming. So again, that doesn't, that doesn't mean we'll win in November, but it means that things are not determinative. When we've had elections, Democrats have won or have outperformed their 2020 numbers. And so we have a, a real chance. And, and Carrie, we've been talking about this from, you know, over a year that the dynamics were going to be screwy. And, and one of the reasons that the Beltway narrative has suddenly shifted and suddenly saying, oh, well, it's, it's, uh, Republicans are resurgent is this claim that suddenly the abortion issue is losing salience. And so I this is something I we should talk to Jennifer about that, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Is it time to bring in our guest then? Let's bring her in. Joining us on the show today is Jennifer fernandez Ancona. She is the co-founder and vice president of Way to Win, an organization that helps fund and helps message and uses data to make the progressive movement more effective. And what better person to talk about this last minute closing argument that Democrats need to make than Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. So, Jennifer, we've been talking. I've been actually looking a lot at this, um, you know, this debate within Democratic circles about what kind of closing message there should be. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> there's a there's a meltdown everywhere. Some Democrats are like, we never should have talked about abortion. That was mm-hmm. a horrible thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're like, uh, really? Because the base no. seems important. <laughs> um, right. So, but then, you know, the question is, there's this tension. I mean, I think CNN analyst Ron Brownstein kind of has summed up this um, this election as being an election where you're supposedly choosing between your money and your rights, okay? Now, I just want to say yeah. the assumption there, this right, the assumption there is that Republicans are better for your pocketbook, which isn't actually true, right. you know, like along with plenty of other things. Objectively. Yeah, objectively true. It's not true. Uh, You know, just just for starters, just to say that Joe Biden has created more jobs than any president in history in in his first two years in office. You know, just like just to start with that. But we don't need to go into all that. Okay. but my question is, this is this is the tension that's sort of been set up. All right. And how do Democrats sort of address this in the um, both 
stay, you know, keep their base activated, but then give people who are on a fence, who are like, who kind of thinks Republicans might be better for the economy, but man, are they pissed off about that abortion thing? Um, how do we, how do we give them more or less a permission structure or a reason to vote for Democrats over Republicans? Like what's, what, what do you think your formula is for that in the final stretch here? Yeah, well, I really hear you and agree that that has been set up as the tension. And what I firmly believe, and based on all the research that we've been doing, is that it really is a false choice. We we can talk about both. We can actually talk about multiple things at the same time. And my position is that given what Democrats have done and how we've governed, and given what the Republicans are doing and who they've nominated and what they're saying, the Democrats have a stronger message and can go on offense on literally every issue from abortion and taking away our freedoms from economics, you know, the threats to social security and Medicare, the way that Democrats have been trying to reduce inflation and improve people's lives, um, the longer term investments in things like climate, um, you know, fighting climate change and really providing that for folks, the, the hardcore just relief with student debt, with some of the decisions that the administration has made on uh, marijuana, for example, and even community safety, you know, having tried to tackle gun violence, having a much better um, approach to community safety and actually trying to help make everyone feel safe in their communities on immigration, on, on LGBT issues, literally every issue. We have a better argument and we have a strong contrast with the Republicans. We have to make that argument and we have to not uh, fall into this trap that we have to be afraid to talk about anything. That And that is my my number one reflection, um, I would say part of the formula is using this frame of freedoms. We talk about freedoms, plural, because it's not just the the idea of, you know, American individualized freedom. It's a collective freedom and it's also, you know, multiple different freedoms. So you can wrap a story in it's Democrats who are trying to protect our freedoms from the freedom to decide whether we're going to have kids or when we're going to have kids to the freedom to be able to provide for our families, to make a good living and put food on the table and be home in time to eat it. The, we can actually talk about all of these issues in that freedom frame. So that's one part of the formula. The second part is that we have to build a contrast and attack the Republicans on their extremism, on their use of fear and division, and on their obstruction and lack of real action. And we can also do that on every issue. So I do, while I do think there's room for positive messages and ads only, what we've found in this election is it has to be a contrast election more than anything else. People need to understand that this election is a choice between a kind of Republican that wants to take us all the way backward and block everything our families need, and the voters as the really the hero of the story that wants to take us forward. And Democrats are our best choice to be able to do that. So Jen, uh, at Way to Win, you guys have put together, I think, a series of closing argument ads. And first of all, tell us why you did that, what your thinking was, and then we'll go ahead and look at one of them. Yeah, absolutely. So coming into this cycle, we, we understood what we were going to be up against. And we knew that sometimes the 
larger democratic ecosystem, the ads, you know, leave a little bit to be desired. Maybe we need to think a little bit more creatively about the kind of content that we do. And we really want it to be rooted in research, which tells us uh, what we call mobisuasion. You know, we're trying to both persuade and mobilize a big coalition of people who are diverse. I mean, usually... That's supposed to be separate things, exactly. right? I mean, so you're saying that you can you can actually wrap it up into one tidy little package. We that's what we believe we can do uh, in order to return out that same coalition, that what we call the Biden coalition, that uh, elected Biden in 2020, rejected Trump in 2020, and in 2018. So that is a coalition of voters. It's white, black, API, Latino, uh, Native American. It's people from different classes. It's people from different ideologies in some ways, moderates and liberals. We're, we all came together to stop Trump and we need to keep coming together to stop the threat of MAGA and Trump Republicans from taking over our lives and our democracy. So in order to return out that coalition, we did a ton of research, really listening to those different voters, what what unites them, how are they getting persuaded and mobilized. And so through that, uh, we ended up coming up with a lot of different content. And we spent through really through the spring and early summer testing all that content really rigorously in all different kinds of modes to see what's really rising to the top. And then we ended up with a series of ads that touch on this issues of freedom that touch on uh, tying abortion to other issues that are at stake in the election, which is something that is also really important so that we're not just talking only about abortion. We want to talk about abortion as a key example of how they're trying to take away our freedoms, which is also includes they want to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. They want to make elections, you know, not be decided by the will of the people, all of those things. And so we came up with a suite of ads that touch all those topics. We have ads that touch education, ads that touch gender issues, ads that touch on, um, you know, just straight economic and, and kind of like how we position workers in this environment and uh, economic issues like inflation. And so um, we have a, we have all of those available actually on a public website called wedecide22.com. Um, so you can share with your listeners and they can go there and actually look at all, look at the ads we have up. We'll be continuing to add more. And there's also some messaging that people can look at around a contrast between uh, what Democrats are doing and what Republicans are threatening to do. What was what was that URL again? WeDecide22.com. And where are these ads running? So we are running a lot of these ads in targeted congressional districts, uh, probably about a total of about 20 in targeted congressional districts. And then we've assembled a large coalition of groups, national groups and state and local groups who are also running the ads on their social platforms. Sometimes they've customized them under their own brands. And then some of them are putting money behind them too in their own distribution. And that covers a lot of the key swing Senate and governor states. Yeah. And you can literally you if you go there and you love the ads, people who are listening to this, they they can contribute, right? Like ten dollars or five dollars or something like that to get it up in, in more places. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. All the money raised on that page will go to more distribution. Let's queue up that. Let's, this is a hard hitting economic ad. We're going to go get them. Yeah, I like this ad. So um, let's queue it up and listen to it. <laughs> they just keep rising and rising. Corporate profits, that is. No wonder prices are going up, too. Corporations are bragging about how they're making bank by raising our prices. But when Democrats pass the historic Inflation Reduction Act to lower prices and fund our futures, every single Republican voted against it. What does the GOP even stand for anymore? Gouging our prices. 
Vote for leaders who tackle our problems. Vote for Democrats. All right, Jen, tell us, what do you think? What, did you guys do well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think what's really great about that ad is it doesn't pull any punches. You know, it makes it very clear uh, who the enemy is here. And I think it really lays the blame where it belongs at the feet of the GOP and also the corporations who are gouging our prices in the midst of, you know, coming out of a pandemic and a lot of complicated global issues that we're all dealing with. So uh, while the Republican fear mongering machine has grabbed onto inflation and just absolutely told a story that has no solutions, no um, offers to help, but just trying to blame Democrats for it. I think what's important about this particular ad and story is it's really clear. It's like corporate prices are going, or corporate corporate profits are going up, and corporations are bragging about how much money they're making because they're tacking on more of this cost onto the consumer in this crisis time. It's a way for them to get away with it, and I and I think we love to find um, ways to make it catchy, like to say the GOP stands for gouging our prices. And we're really finding that that is working. I I love this ad. And it's been frustrating to me to see this message not really get a lot of play from from Democrats. And, and you know, you see it here and there, but there hasn't been a sort of all out single message on Corporate profits are at record levels, including gas, you know, gas companies. Yeah, that's the reason prices are up. If it was inflation, their profits wouldn't be this high. But no, they're they're raising their profits and they're blaming inflation, and you're paying for it. And I love the ad because it says, you know, it talks about how um, Republicans voted yeah. against legislation ha- that and. It, yeah, they ha- yeah, they the, said, the, it literally says it. they ha- when they had a chance to do something about it. And vote for the the Inflation Reduction Act. Not a single Republican voted for it. And then you see Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and, you know, all these like notable Republicans. They all voted against it. It's so true. Yeah. But why are we hearing this message now, just a few weeks out from the election? <laughs> this is what drives me crazy. This should have been the message. Everybody, oh, kitchen table issues. Why wasn't that the kitchen table message for the entire year? All of it. Yeah. It, to be fair, yeah. the Inflation Reduction Act only passed, I don't know, what, a couple months ago now? Yeah. yeah but corporate profits have been, they've been yeah, kicking Yeah, the corporate or... profits has been, yeah, right. I'll give you the behind the scenes scoop, okay? We, oh, this is juicy. <laughs> we made this ad a while ago. We made this ad, I would say, several few months ago. Um, we tested it and it didn't test that well when we when we did test Whoa. it originally. It was like several months ago. And part of that was because of the moment. Um, everything was really surging around Dobbs. People really were upset about abortion. So when we were testing messages with voters, it was those messages that had abortion that were more motivating and mobilizing for our coalition. That being said, I do think because the original version of this ad didn't have Inflation Reduction Act in it, because it hadn't been passed yet. So I do think when we added that in, when that just happened, right, in September, I think we added it in. Then we tested this out again. And now in this moment, it is really working and it is mobilizing voters and persuading them. So that's a little bit of the... Gary, you called it. (laughs) You called it. (laughs) I love it. What can I say? I I love it when I'm right. I just love it. 
<laughs> does that mean does that mean that that abortion is no longer a salient an issue or no. what does that mean? No, it doesn't. I mean, abortion is still a very salient issue, particularly for Democrats, for particularly for women voters. I mean, we just did a battleground. Um, we did a battleground congressional district poll that we just did a co- that released last week, and you, what we see is that. Abortion and economics and inflation are pretty much tied for the top issue, depending on what you look at. People will volunteer one or the other, but they're pretty well tied. But part of the issue is like when you when you ask people which issue makes you actually want to vote for Democrats more, abortion will give you a much higher boost. So we're, we're winning the abortion issue by 20 points is what I'm trying to say. And on the economy inflation issue, we're still kind of a tie, like more of a wash with Republicans, unfortunately. And so... So it doesn't. This is why I keep saying we need to talk about both. If we were to abandon talking about abortion, we're going to leave a lot of power on the table because it is a very mobilizing, motivating issue, and we can't forget about the economy because that is what people care about. The prices and, and increasing prices and dealing with this in, inflation, it is affecting people's lives deeply, and so it is something that they're going to be thinking about in the voting booth. So we want to give them a story where they can really understand it's Democrats who are fighting for real solutions on all of these things and who are trying to protect your freedoms while the Trump Republicans want to take them away. Yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and listen to this ad from John Fetterman, um, because this is, and just to set up the context here, you know, John Fetterman actually hours from now while we're recording this is going to be uh, doing the, I think the only, is it the only Pennsylvania um, Senate debate between Fetterman Mm -hmm. and Mehmet Oz, right? Yep. That's going to be, that's going to be happening tonight. And Fetterman had this moment, you know, a couple weeks ago, I think, where he did an interview and uh, it was a TV interview and the interviewer for NBC News kind of made an issue of the fact that he used closed captioning, right? Because he's been having some auditory processing disorders related to his stroke. Um, He can't process things as quickly through just hearing them. So he reads the question on the screen as they're being asked and then responds to them. He had during that interview, I just want to say he stumbled over one word. He said empathetic and then he stumbled over and said emphatic. And then he went back and said empathetic a couple times and said, you know, this is this is part of the, the you know, related to my stroke is that sometimes, you know, I have this issue. So all of his answers besides that were pretty crisp, crisp and clear. I listened to it uh, several times and they all made sense. I mean, they were all good, like political arguments that you would want a candidate to make. Um, in any case, this is the ad after that became a big issue. Journalists decided it was a big issue. Voters hadn't decided it was an issue yet. Journalists decided it was a big issue. They gave it a lot of, um, of coverage. And then they uh, and then it be, and then people started wondering, well, gee, is he having cognitive problems, which there's no evidence whatsoever. He's having cognitive problems. Right. So then they cut this ad. It's a Fetterman sort of response to um, and I kind of think of it as Fetterman embracing his everyman. You know, the person who has encountered adversity, wants to spend time with their family, et cetera. Let's listen to this ad and then have uh, Jennifer talk about what they're doing right here. After my stroke, I was just grateful to see Giselle and our kids. Across Pennsylvania, I keep seeing families that don't have enough time to focus on each other. They're struggling, left behind. We gotta make it easier for people to spend time with those they love. Politicians spend so much time fighting about the things that don't matter. 
I'll always be focused on what does. Access to healthcare, lower costs, good jobs, more time with those we love. I'm John Fetterman, and I approve this message. So, Jen, when I think about that ad, I think of it as sort of a soft economic message. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's talking about the economy. And even even though, you know, he's got his kids, you know, popping up in the background and he's got this soft, cuddly white, you know, sweatshirt on and it's all, you know, it's all like grins and giggles and really warm. But it seems like, to some extent, an economic message to me, as well as a response, you know, him sort of being the everyman, him sort of saying, I, I met with this adversity. And what it, what it meant to me is it made my family and family time more important. Um, anyway, what did you see uh, in that ad that you liked? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It does come across like a softer ad. And I think a typical Democrat might have done an ad like that, just talking about the more cuddly, soft ways of being with his family. But I think what Fetterman did that I really liked about this particular ad was it was a little bit subversive in terms of how it goes up against a kind of very fundamentalist capitalist view of of the economy and, and what it's for. And often we think that the economy is above us, but what Fetterman did is kind of reminds us that we are actually above the economy. And what really matters is that we have time to spend with our families. The idea that we would have more time is very foreign to a fundamentalist capitalist approach. So I did think it was kind of subversive in that way. And then he also really brings in those bedrock things that unite this diverse coalition. When I was saying persuasion, you know, how do we persuade and mobilize a very diverse group? When we listen to voters, whether they're white working class voters, people of color, working class voters, people of color, professional class voters, you know, across the spectrum, people want a lot of the same things. They want lower healthcare costs. They want overall lower costs. They want to be able to do better in life. They want good jobs. And I think then when he's wrapping that in is a story of all of that adds up to we get to have time with the people that we love. So that's what I think is really powerful about that ad. It it elevates this idea that we need to say what we're for when we're telling an economic story, not just what we're against. This idea of are are you are you working to live or are you living to work? And and uh, Fetterman is exactly. saying what Democrats want is for you to be able to work to live. Yeah, yeah work, work to, live. to live. I mean, exactly. you work yeah. to live. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So we're almost out of time. So I have, I have one question. Uh, and Carrie, maybe you have, you have, you know, you have something else. But I have one question for you. It's as we close out. Yeah, it's, it's great. These ads are running. Um, they're being distributed on social media, et cetera, et cetera. But we as human beings, as individuals, are also talking to potential voters. We're trying to motivate maybe maybe friends or, or coworkers or family members that might not otherwise vote or maybe voting the wrong way. What should we be talking to? Uh, what should we be talking about as we try to motivate these last minute potential voters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we want to say that our freedoms are on the line. Our freedoms are on the ballot. Make no mistake, whether you care about the right to an abortion and the right to, to have a family when you want to, whether you care about being able to marry who you love, whether you care about having the elections be decided by voters, not politicians, like our freedoms are at stake. And, and make no mistake, these Trump Republicans who are on the ballot up and down the, the across the country, they just want to take 
them away. So that's one really important part. And then the second part is that we don't have to trade our freedoms for economic well-being. <laughs> we can have both when we when we elect Democrats, right? Um, we we are better for your pocketbook and for your freedoms. I mean, however you want to say it, let's just make the case that Democrats are better for the economy. Whether it's job creation, whether it's lowering prices, whether it's American manufacturing, whether it's taxing the wealthy instead of the rest of us to actually, you know, provide healthcare and and um, infrastructure and fighting climate change, the all the Democrats are the ones doing all of it. Price caps on insulin, you know, um, you know, uh, government being able to bargain for prescription, uh, lower prescription do- drug costs. I mean, you know, right. it's just like, like all of real these impact. things that, that, yeah, real impact that Republicans voted against. And on top of it all, they're promising to raise taxes on working class folks and and gut Medicare mm-hmm. and Medicaid and Social Security. I just don't understand yes. how that is a winning <laughs> economic message. Just for the life of me, I do not get it. It's not. <laughs> it's not. And we have to we have to make that case. And but we're you know, no one knows no one's gonna know if we don't make that case and if we are too shy to tout our own accomplishments and our own vision of what we want to do on the economy. Jennifer Fernandez Ancona is the co-founder and vice president of Way to Win. The URL, once again? WeDecide22.com. WeDecide22.com. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Fingers crossed, right? We got a close one. Thanks so much for (laughs) everything that you do. Thank you both. Carrie, I, I I love Jen. She's been on the show before. She she's amazing. I like her closing argument. You know, I was on I was on Reddit the other day, and somebody was talking about Biden inflation, and I was just like, Do you think Biden raised the prices, or do you think maybe it's the the gas companies God, I, with record profits? Which one do you think actually has created the inflation, the higher know, prices? I wish I could actually quote this tweet exactly, but I saw someone talking about how. The price of oil per barrel was the same in like the 90s or something like that. But the but the price of gas, it was like so it was the exact same in the 90s as it was now, as it is today. But the price of gas was like a solid dollar cheaper or something like that. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what it was, but it was just like, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, oh, we're clearly getting gouged like they're gouging the hell out of us anyway. So, yeah, no, I was I was looking at the numbers and uh Last quarter, ExxonMobil made $17.8 billion in profit. They made $25 billion in profit all of last year combined. I mean, this is this is extreme. And Republicans have stood in the way of a, of a windfall tax because they're standing in the way of anything that would actually address inflation. And I think that's that's a very powerful, strong message here in the end. And so it's it's this is what it's about, right, Carrie? It's it's we're at the end. It's, it's all about dailycoast.com slash GOTV. Get out the vote. Dailycoast.com slash GOTV. Dailycoast.com slash GOTV. We are, we, the only way we win in two weeks is if we outwork Republicans. The polls are, are essentially tied. Few on their side, few on our side. It's a big freaking toss up. It's whoever outworks the other one. Right, Carrie? Yeah. And, and listen, is there anything I else? Gotta, no, not much. I, I just have to tell you, if you're watching the polls, like they're not going to catch any any late breakers at this point. It's not going to you, you're not going to be able to tell. And this is just in the, this is in the hands of voters. It's in the hands of you. It's in the hands of me. It's in the hands of Marcos. 
You better vote, Marcos. Anyway, no. <laughs> I did. I already did. Vote early. You already did. I voted vote early. early. Even though vote there's early. nothing of much, there's no drama here in California, Look, at least no, in my corner of California. For two, for two cycles, the anti-Trump, anti-MAGA majority has risen up and said, no way, this is not where we're going. And they've done it two cycles in a row. And you know what? That coalition can come together again, do it again, because now the Republican Party is just as dangerous without Trump in office as it ever was, um, if not more dangerous, frankly. So everybody's got to get that out there and vote. Vote like your rights depend on it. Vote like your lives depend on it. Vote like your pocketbook de depends on it. Just vote and get a group of your friends together to vote. Make sure everyone you know is voting. Thank you, Carrie, so much. Thanks to Walter, our producer. Thanks to everybody who makes this show uh, happy behind the scenes. That's Kara and Dorothy and Paul. And thank you, the listener, for joining us. You are part of this incredible army that is fighting for our democracy. Don't forget that. Don't, don't, don't let up. We got two weeks. We can rest afterwards. We can rest after. This is not the time for that. Put everything that you've got into, into helping get the vote out in these critically important races. Our democracy is at stake. I wish that was hyperbole. It is not. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of our efforts for our democracy. Really appreciate you. Love you all. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, give us a rating wherever you get your podcast. You can always talk to us at dailycoast.com or on Twitter at Daily Coast. See you next week.